0: Hello, we are back for our second episode of Bleacher Ball. This is co-host Justin Burkholder speaking. Matt Weiner.
1: Rob Schmidt. Will Blakey.
0: And we are here tonight to specifically talk about March Madness. As you guys are making your picks this week in an office pool or different group pool that you're maybe uh, submitting for, we want to inform you of the best choices to make with our highly opinionated guests here. And we also cover a little bit of spring training notes uh, as well as our trivia of the day. So uh, tonight, I think we will begin here, looking at our brackets and just highlighting a key, a couple key first round matchups that we see are potential upset alerts. So, Rob, can you begin with your first upset alert? Well,
1: you know, it it's a deep tournament, and you know, it's it's always tough trying to pick upsets because you got favorite teams. You know, you got all these different matchups, you know, and don't get me wrong, you know, somebody who watches a lot of college basketball, it's tough because you fall in love with a player, you know. I like Marquette with Marcus Howard, but, you know, it's, it's tough. But if I had to say my best guess for an upset, St. Mary's beating Villanova. I know Villanova's the defending champs, and they're very well coached, but St. Mary's is hot right now. They beat Gonzaga in the tournament, and, uh... <clears throat> they ended up winning and you know they're a dangerous team in the sense that <clears throat> they play inside out and not a lot of teams in March Madness play inside out you know if you think back in recent years of teams that have won it's it's dominated by guard play and one thing that i've seen this year in college basketball is you know teams like duke teams like north carolina who have good guards are savvy enough to realize you get the ball down in the post it opens up the outside game so I think you got to look out for teams that have you know good power forwards, even good centers that are athletic that get a lot of offensive rebounds and can kick, you know, and that's one thing I'm looking at in Saint Mary's, you know, they got guys that can rebound the ball on both ends of the floor offensively and defensively and push the pace.
0: I mean, if we're talking about teams that are getting hot, I I, I think you have to include Villanova in that discussion who just came off winning the Big East tournament, um knocking off Seton Hall in the championship of that tournament and just with a recent track record in the March Madness, winning two of the last three years, I think you have to highly consider that, especially in a first-round matchup like this where St. Mary's isn't as experienced in the tournament, and uh, a lot of these Villanova guards and players were on the team last year, so they know how to prepare for this matchup and know how to play composed, and so that's why <clears throat> I think Villanova's going to win that game, but I I certainly see your point coming off of that big Win against Gonzaga and uh, St. Mary's has been a good all year. I haven't seen enough of them this year to point to uh, the upset that you're talking about.
1: Well, the thing is, I agree with you about the senior leadership on Villanova being there, done that. You know, they got Phil Booth who's coming off a great year, they got Eric Pascal returning. You know, they got a lot of senior leadership, but at the beginning of the year, they showed their youth with who they brought in. They're not as deep as they used to be. You know, Phil Booth was the guy that came off the bench last year behind Brunson. And, you know, is he really ready to take that next step and to be a leader in the tournament? I don't know, and that, that's a that's a big question mark. Now, with that being said, you said that they beat Seton Hall in the Big East Championship. Seton Hall's a 10 seed. Gonzaga's a 1 seed. So, for that that sole <clears throat> purpose is why I think St. Mary's is is primed for an upset. I, I do agree that, you know, teams get hot, and they, they both of these teams are hot right now, and that's what you need to be in the tournament. Look at UConn back when Kemba Walker was on on the team, you know they got hot. They ran through the Big East tournament and then ran through the NCAA. You know, and it, it, it's tough, and that's what I was talking about on guard play. But I think that this year it's going to be more inside out. You got to get the ball down low, kick. And why There's do you think like, that's going to change this year? See, you got guys like Zion Williamson who can play outside but dominate the paint, get rebounds, and I feel like teams are going to be trying to key in on that aspect because if you think about it the majority of people are going to pick duke to win even though zion just came back from injury but what did he do he had 55 points in two games you know and with that aspect you know getting offensive rebounds playing good defense and it just opens up the three point three point shot and you got to also understand you're not playing in your home gym anymore you're playing on the road you know it's a lot tougher to just go into some random gym and put up 40% from 3 than, you know, oh, you've been in this gym all year shooting the same shot over and over again.
2: All right, Matt, can you tell about
0: a first-round matchup that you see an upset?
2: One matchup I really really like is uh, Belmont um, versus Maryland. I can see Belmont pulling away with that game. They have uh, their top two scorers are seniors, and I feel like a lot of experience and just being a senior helps your team as an advantage. And um, by their, one of their guards, um, Winler, He's ever he is averaging around I believe some a little bit over 20 points a game. And right behind him is the other senior guard, uh Kevin McLean. I mean, he's averaging 17 points per game. And I just think that that's a solid matchup that we can look forward to.
0: Yeah. I mean, just watched that game uh Belmont knocking off Temple and prevailed in the end through a great shooting and yeah, you see the cohesiveness of that team and very well-coached team as well and sort of had the feel that Maryland's kind of crawled into the finish line and may not be as deserving of that sixth seed, although they've had a really good year coming out of the uh, Big Ten. Um, I also like that Belmont matchup as well, and I think they can make some serious damage. I think one other first-round matchup um, that I really like is uh, UC Irvine over Kansas State. And I think part of this is because I haven't seen Kansas State play much in the Big 12, which has been a down conference this year. But I think what really stands out is UC Irvine's 30-5 and record on the year, um, going 15-1 and in the conference and having a road win at St. Mary's this year. I think this team is capable of doing it. Uh, they're a winning squad, one of the best defensive teams in the country. And it's risky picking a 13 over a 4, but it's been done in the last couple of years. Last year, there were two 13 seeds to win, so of the the 4 versus 13s, I I think UC Irvine might be the best chance. What do you guys think?
3: Well, first of all, I just wanted to say thanks so much for having me on, Justin. This is really a privilege and an honor to be on this distinguished podcast. Um, I also agree that the Anteaters are a great upset pick. Uh, the best team in college basketball in California is not UCLA this year, it's not USC, it's not any of the big team named teams that you're aware of, it's UC Irvine, the Anteaters. The Anteaters, although they do have a very funny name, they can put up buckets in a hurry. And I will say that, that Kansas State had a bad draw in this particular situation because the four seed has always been bad against four, 13 seeds as of recent history. And also, I mean, one of the biggest things is their bi- injured big man, Dean Wade, uh, who Kansas State just lost to an injury. Um, and he's been a two-time all-Big 12 first-team player, um, and he's recently been slowed down by a foot problem, leaving his availability in the game in question. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like the matchups down low for the anteaters uh, now that Dean Wade is out. Um, but, you know, we'll have to see. Um, it's a it's a tough matchup. You know, UC Irvine doesn't have a lot of experience, obviously. And, you know, 30-5 and five doesn't really mean much when you're playing... Um, you know, I forget what conference they're in, but it's 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 nothing to it's something to scratch your head over for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, another another four verse th- thirteen on that topic. You know, St. Louis. You know, they're they're always a tough team in the tournament. You mm-hmm. know, they might not have been the greatest team this year, but they're playing a Virginia Tech team who kind of limped to the finish line as well. And you know, with St. Louis, you got a bunch of bunch of guys that have been. Coached up to say, "Hey, listen, we play good defense. We're going to pride ourselves on defense. Go on fast breaks, shoot the three, and you know, <clears throat> in the tournament, it's not about how many points you can score. It's about who can play the best defense when you when it matters, you know. And if you think back into recent history, like Will was saying, you know, four versus thirteen is a very juicy matchup for anybody that's you know ranked in the four in the four. You don't you don't want to be in that spot, and you know, in a Virginia Tech team who had flashes during the season, be- beating some good teams, but also at the same time not producing as as well as they, they should against teams that they should blow out. I feel like Virginia Tech's a team that plays to the level of their competition, and I think that that's a very dangerous thing to do in the tournament. You have to be very even-keeled and consistent, and I, I just don't think Virginia Tech's one of those teams that's going to just blow some team out. I, re- I, re-
0: I really disagree with you there. I think the ACC tournament was was a tough tournament for Virginia Tech. I mean, for all the teams in the ACC, but Virginia Tech had two really tough losses to Florida State down the stretch of the season, uh, which kind of helped to um, prove why they did not finish too well down the stretch uh, record-wise. But I think this team led by Kerry Blackshear, you know, big, big guy inside, this team can shoot it really well. They're getting a guy back from injury. Um, and they played in one of the best conferences, probably the best conference in all of the nation. I think Virginia Tech is poised to to make a little run here, and I actually like them to win two games, actually, uh, to make it to the Sweet 16, beating Mississippi
1: State in the round of 32 as well. Yeah, see, I got it the other way around. I got I, I have Virginia Tech losing to St. Louis and St. Louis losing to Miss, Mississippi State. So that, that'll be a nice little bracket, bracket buster when uh, St. Louis knocks off Virginia Tech. For talking May. about
2: a bracket buster, though, I'm talking about Murray State versus Marquette.
1: Best matchup in the tournament for the round of 64.
2: Of individual my, uh, players, it, yes. It,
1: that's my
0: opinion. John Morant
2: and Marcus, and Marcus Howard. Howard.
0: But who does Murray State have besides John Morant? That, that's who it comes down to. Marquette has multiple players that can go off, and that's why Marcus Howard doesn't have to have as much pressure on him.
1: You know, I, I watched Marcus Howard play against UB, and this man had six points at halftime, and he came out and dropped 40. Mm-hmm. And a half. He he had 18 straight points. Couldn't miss. He's hitting step backs, you know, three pointers, off balance layups, and ones. And you know, like like you said, that they're more well balanced than Murray State in the sense that they do have more firepower with two through five, other than just Marcus Howard. And I agree with you in that aspect. But I will tell you this: John Morant, with the with the exception of Zion Williamson, he's probably one of the most exciting players to watch in the NCAA right now.
2: Also, Murray State is on an eleven game winning streak right now. They are hot. They are scorching red hot right now. And I just think John Morant with all this highlight and a bu- and buzz from ESPN, I think that's kind of fueling him in Murray State. And I think if John Moran gets it going, I think they could definitely pull an upset against Marquette. But don't no discredit to Marcus Howard. Dropping forty points and a half is incredible. It's unheard of. I mean I couldn't tell you a good guard that came out of Marquette since Dwayne Wade. Jimmy Butler.
1: <laughs> Dude, that's, that's a great one. It's it, it it <laughs> a it go, great card. Go, and going on the idea of you know win streaks, okay. <laughs> Nobody's even talking about Wofford. They they haven't lost this year. They they have no. not lost in the new year. They have 20 straight wins. Their last loss was on December 19th. Yeah, Wofford's se- just
0: a great team to pick. If you and, don't pick Wofford, but they're, but they're, they're a There's something wrong with you. They're a favorite. Yeah,
1: they're, they're the seventh seed playing against Seton Hall, who lost lost to uh, Villanova in the Big East. I got, I got Seton Hall beating them. I like I Wofford to, for their name alone. I have Seton Hall beaten Wofford for the, the lone fact that they're not the underdog in this game. I
0: mean, you're just tearing down Villanova <clears> for <throat> beating a, a bad Seton Hall team. But oh, now you I, I don't pick disagree, them?
1: but you've got to also understand the, the Big East is not like a mid-major conference. The Big East isn't what it used to be back when you had Georgetown, Pittsburgh, Syracuse, the Big East tournament down in the garden, you know, all the hype behind it. It's nothing like it used Assuredly, to be. Surely, yeah. And, you know, and, and that's what the ACC has become the, the prime-time conference in NCAA basketball. You know, everybody talks about the Big 12, the Big 10. They don't play defense. The prime-time division conference, whatever, is ACC, 100%. But when it comes to picking some of these mid-major teams who don't get as much media attention as, you know, a Seton Hall who's in New York City who we all know where's the biggest media, New York City. You, you live in New York City, you know it. There's a lot of hype, and don't get me wrong. I, I do understand with your your aspect about Villanova being in the Big East, being experienced, two out of three, all that. But a mid-major team that has been on a hot streak, they're due. They're due to catch a loss.
0: Yeah, and that's why I like New Mexico State, actually, to to knock off Auburn and then actually to knock off Kansas as well in the second round of 32. And, and they're my Sweet 16 team, my upset pick that I really like. This year, uh, this Aggies team is coming in scorching hot in the in their conference tournament when they were just blowing teams out in the in the conference championship. They won by 30 points, just showing everyone why they deserve to be in this tournament. And they have a record of 30 and four on the year. Uh, we're talking about this t- these teams that are hot, winning a lot of games. They have a recipe for success. That's that's why I really like this New Mexico State team. And, I, and just with Auburn's track record, record in the past in NCAA tournaments, they haven't had too much success and I and I see that continuing even though they did just win the SEC tournament and that's something that I'm struggling over because Auburn has has been really good of of late, but I think their inconsistency will show here and I and that's why I like the Aggies of New Mexico State.
3: Listeners, I'm gonna have to butt in here and I'm gonna have to, to prove Justin wrong uh on this one because I've been heartbroken by the New Mexico State Aggies multiple times. In fact, since 2010, they've been a 12 seed, uh, which is often a hot hot pick, 12 versus 5, one of the best upset matchups in college basketball for March Madness. And they're four times as a 12 seed they've lost in the first round. So I've picked, in this, picked this team four years uh, since they've uh, been in the tournament as a 12 seed, and I've had my heart broken over and over again. Now. And the big thing that i disagree with justin about uh with um a and m not A&M, my apologies um with umburn state new mexico no, auburn hours yes uh auburn plays in the SEC, which has usually been not a great basketball conference, but this year they've been phenomenal they boasted seven teams towards the NCAA tournament uh which is a you know a record in, in previous in uh you know recent years. For them, uh, it's it's been a very good year for the SEC, and they came out on top in the in the SEC championship, and that's something uh, to take note of. If we're talking about hot teams, somebody coming out of the uh, uh, out of the SEC with a ch- SEC championship, uh, that's something that we should look at. In New Mexico State, although they have a good record, uh, you know, obviously they don't play any good teams, um, and so off of past history, I would have to advise uh, the listeners to <coughs> that one in the brackets.
0: I mean, they had a close loss at Kansas, which is. Something remarkable for a team of the mid-major to lose at Kansas by a couple points. I mean, just the tough environment there. But I think, I mean, we could talk about this for a while. But I'm sure last year when people were saying arguing to pick 16 seeds, people in the past were saying, "Oh, I picked 16 seed last year," and they they didn't, they've never won before. It's a little bit right. different though. Yeah, the, the, the statistics behind
1: that is it
0: no no
3: 16 yeah. has ever won. Theoretically, you should never pick a 16 seed.
1: Yeah, but but with that being said, if you had to pick one of the number one seeds to lose to a sixteen, who who's the pick this year? I think it's Virginia again, Gardner Webb. I don't I don't know any of the sixteen seeds. I
0: watched Fairleigh Dickinson a little bit tonight. They looked they looked all right, but I think the most vulnerable one seeds are Gonzaga and Virginia but I, I don't know their opponents well enough. I mean, Virginia slows the game down so much that if, if a team is knocking down shots against them, anyone
1: yeah, can beat that's them. That's why I think that out of, See, out I of, saw, out of the I, that... I,
2: saw, I saw Virginia play live against Syracuse, and they're just dominant every single way. Their three-pointing is absolutely very hard to keep up with. When one person knocks one down, then the next person's knocking it down. It's, there's no question. Then they get on the fast break, and they're just chucking up threes. I mean, they were knocking down... Fade away in the corners, I mean, you name it. Hand in the face, doesn't matter. It's out by the logo, everywhere on the court, they shot it, it went in. Yeah, but that's that's
1: how you beat Syracuse. You're supposed to beat Syracuse on the fast break. You don't want them to get set up in the 2 the zone. zone. Well, here's the, the thing, though. The, no, prob-
3: the <clears throat> problem with Virginia is that they're the slowest team in the field. So
1: yeah, they, they, slow the, they slow the game down a
3: ton until, because until they, 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 they pride themselves shots. in defense. They're they're literally statistically ranked the slowest team in the field.
2: Yes, them. yes, they are. But you have to understand that once they once one person makes it down... And they're going to push it out in transition and feed the but shooters, they but they do. They don't push it out in transition. But they do. From the game I saying saw, saying. from the game I saw, and some games but, I've seen. But
1: that's, but that's my point. Overall, they play a very slow-paced style of basketball. When it comes down to it, they played Syracuse. When you beat Syracuse, the sole purpose is get out on the fast break, don't let the 2-3 zone get set up. That's how you beat Syracuse. And that's why you would see when you watch the game against Virginia playing Syracuse. They push the pace because they're trying to get layups, open threes, not letting that lanky athletic defense get set up.
0: All right, another four versus thirteen matchup that I want to talk about is Kansas and Northeastern. What do you guys think here?
1: I mean, I know it's I know it's been a tough year for Kansas, but you got to understand they they won fifteen years in a row. They won their conference fifteen years in a row. I mean, hats off to them for Not that. Not this year though. I I agree, but I'm saying hats off to them for fifteen years in a row. That's an amazing streak. That they won fifteen years in a row. That's that's really good. But the thing about Kansas, they don't have a leader. Mm-hmm. They don't have a leader this year. You know, every other year they've had somebody that could come in particularly a guard in past years. This year, yep. the Gerald Vick the was Monte that guy, Graham. and he's gone now.
3: Not like Davion Dotson.
1: And that's the thing, you know. And you know, with Kansas State finishing first, first in their uh, in, in the Big, what, what was it, Big <clears> Twelve? <throat> um, you know, Kansas didn't really match up well against a lot of people either, and they they also had a lot of injuries, so. Kansas, are they right for an upset? Yes and no. It's still a blue-blood team, still very well coached. Bill Self's a great coach. So it's tough for me to pick that one out of a 4 Yeah, I I
0: agree with you. I think Kansas squeaks by because of Bill Self in that matchup and just because of – I really like Dedrick Lawson a lot, their big guy, who's just had a great year carrying that team, um, averaging 19 points to 10 rebounds a game. But – And that's where I see vo- the vulnerability of Kansas maybe come out in the second round of the round of 32 with New Mexico State possibly knocking them off. Um, but what other uh, first-round matchups do you guys... Let's let's get to Wisconsin was... and Oregon, the 5 versus 12. Many people have been picking Oregon because of their recent success. And, I mean, frankly, the only reason they're in the tournament is because they won the Pac-12 championship, conference championship. But Wisconsin's been up and down this year... Um, Ethan Hap's great, um, well-coached team, fundamentally sound. Don't turn the ball over too much, but Oregon seems like they're playing their best basketball right now.
1: They're like a Virginia in the sense that they they like to play defense and they, like you said, they like to play fundamental basketball. And that's the thing that's tough, you know. I mean, I hate Pac-12 teams, hate them, but I picked Oregon for the sole fact that you know they've been playing well together, even though they lost bowl bowl. They figured it out. They wrote the ship towards the end of the season, won their tournament,
2: and they're in. You know, that's all you got to do. You win and you get in. Anybody's got a shot. Not to mention that. I mean, they beat Washington two out of three times this year, and they only lost to Houston by four. Baylor, they lost by 10. Syracuse, they beat them by 15. And Iowa, they lost by eight, and then they beat Arizona State two out of three times. I mean, that just shows that they can win, and they get some solid wins. And even the tough teams, they can hang right in with them. Um, on the other side of it, with Wisconsin. I mean, they lost to the four by Virginia, um, split it with Michigan, lost to Michigan State twice, and going back to that Marquette team, that tough Marquette team, they lost by five to one. I mean, it, I, I picked Oregon as well in this one. A key factor
0: in this game is, the, is where the location of this matchup, and it's in San Jose, California. So Basically
1: a home game for Oregon.
0: Yeah, I mean, same coast, I guess, but um, Wisconsin doing some traveling, and that's... Also something to consider in the Villanova-St. Mary's game as well. The game's in Connecticut, and so Villanova having less traveling, and St. Mary's going to have that cross-country traveling, and I think that's something that coaches and athletic directors, when they're planning schedules, that they want to implement in the non-conference schedules traveling. Because used to it. No, con- in conference, when you're playing on the same, same conference uh, in the same time zone throughout the season, it's not easy for these college players to adjust to different time zones and... And you know these guys are in the, getting adjusted all week this week, pre- prepping for for the matchup and getting their bodies right. But it's something to be considered playing in a new place with less fans probably than the other team has. And so, uh, just a couple things to to consider. But who one, are
2: you? one second, one second. One thing I want to talk about is Duke. They have been a bust these past few years. Oh, this Duke team, there's no chance they lose this year. Now they got Zion. They got R.J. Barrett. Do they finally break the seal and take it all the way?
1: I mean, I mean that's, a, that's a tough pick, but I feel like we should talk about that more later. We're talking about the upsets, you know, like trying, trying to figure out teams that aren't going to be highly picked. You know, Duke's, I, if I had to go and poll 10 people that don't know anything about basketball, <laughs> I bet you 9 out of 10 of them are going to pick Duke just for the sole fact that they've heard the name Zion Williamson. You know, and and that's the thing, you know. My, my highlight of the, the the whole entire round of 64, before the round of 64 even happens, I want to watch Arizona State and St. John's for the sole purpose that I want Arizona State to win so that it's Buffalo versus Arizona State and Bobby Hurley gets to coach against his old team in Buffalo. That, that's one of the matchups I'm looking for in the round of 64. Not because, you know, upset here, upset that, as a fan. I love watching that, you know, a guy that brought Buffalo to the tournament first time in a very long time. And then he got a head coaching job at Arizona State, you know, just just for them to have that type of homecoming, you know. And me personally, I played against some of the guys that play on UB, not professionally against anybody in college, whatever. But I played pickup with them. Carruthers, he's a freak. And, you know, I got Buffalo winning that game for the fact that I'm from Buffalo area. You know, I I, I like Buffalo. I've seen him play a lot. And they're a well-coached team, but to watch Bobby Hurley get—I think he's going to get a round of applause from the players. You know, he—he he helped bring some of those guys in, and like that—that's the thing that I like about the tournament the most: the the matchups, the respect between the coaches, the players. You know, these guys play a grueling season, and at the end of the day, the sportsmanship will show up at the end at the end of the game. You know, these guys are going to be out shaking hands and things like that, and I think that's underrated in the tournament.
0: Yeah, Buffalo is a tough team, man. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. they've a Thirty-one and three record this year, which is great success, and, le- and led by a lot of the guys who were on the team last year, who had a good, made a good tournament run. Um, most notably, senior guard C.J. Massenberg, who's averaging eighteen points and seven rebounds and three assists a game. And I, I think this team is is dangerous, Buffalo. I think they have the capability of knocking off Texas, a very good Texas Tech team in the second round. I got them in well. the
1: Sweet Sixteen
0: as well. Um, and just one note uh, for all you guys making your brackets that, uh, number 11 seeds have actually won eight of the last 12 meetings with number six seeds in the past three years. So, um, consider that and look at when you are finished making your bracket and you're reviewing it again, make sure to review it over and kind of count in your head how many 12s over fives you're picking, how many 11s over sixes, 13s over fours, and make sure that you have a pretty good, pretty good balance with that because upsets happen often and, um... And just a couple percentages that will help you with that. Um, in 4 seeds versus 13 seed matchups, the 4 seed has won 79% of the time. In 5 seeds versus 12 seeds, the 5 seed has won 67% of the time. And in 6 seeds versus 11 seeds, the 6th seed has won 67% of the time. So make sure that uh, throughout that you're checking and um, making picking a couple upsets that may not always be... Uh, Generally, favorite. yeah, fan favorites. Even maybe just disagreeing with us here, but um, find some teams that you like. Some statistics about each team that you like. Maybe, maybe it's the mascot that you like for that team. You know, <laughs> have fun with it, and uh, feel free to reach out with us. F- reach out t- to us with any questions at uh, justin underscore burkholder dot com. So moving on, I want to um, hear your final four picks, and before we start, I have a couple. Um, numbers I want to go over. Since the 1985 tournament, the year that Villanova won as an eight, eight seed, actually, um, only once, 4% of the time, has all four number one seeds made it to the final four. So it's pretty tempting to pick those one seeds all the way.
1: That was the year but, that UNC beat, uh, I can't remember, at uh, Kansas. It might have been Kansas when Tyler. Tyler Hansborough was a senior.
0: Three teams, 12% of the time, number one seeds have made it to the final four. That's no one seed to have made it to the final four. It's three times, so highly likely that at least one seed one one seed will make it. And then 14 times, so 52% of the time a number one seed has won the entire tournament. So it's basically a coin flip there between whether one seed will win it all this year or whether that'll be a two seed or three seed. And the lowest seed to ever win a national championship was uh, an eight seed in the 1985 Villanova Wildcats. So... I want to hear from you guys now. Who are your Final Four picks?
1: See, it's tough, you know. I I want to I want to put Syracuse in. I'm a Syracuse fan. I want to put UB in. I'm a UB fan. But when it, when it comes down to it, you gotta go with Duke. You know, they got it's just so much firepower. The coaching, just the winning atmosphere. I know that they've had trouble in the past years, but they haven't had a player like Zion. They haven't had a point guard that can shoot like. Trey Jones, they haven't had a leader on the floor like R.J. Barrett, who has that killer instinct that wants to take the final shot. And everybody forgets that they got Cam Reddish. He's a top-five pick in the NBA. He's a sleeper. He, he's he's going to be part of the reason that this team goes so far. But I, I got Duke, and then I got, I got Michigan knocking off Gonzaga, Tennessee knocking off Virginia, and then North Carolina.
2: For me, I have Duke, Gonzaga, Tennessee, and UNC. I have Duke versus UNC, and I have Duke winning it all. Hmm. Just too much firepower at that Duke team. Zion, RJ Barrett, and like you said, Cam Reddish, top five pick in the NBA.
1: I I think that's more based
0: off potential. Cam Reddish is a great college player, definitely. But let's let's be careful here because this is the draft is mainly about potential and. um, Cam Cam's proved himself this year, but I wouldn't say he's top three player in the. Uh,
1: it's it's tough to, a- it's it's tough to stand anyway. out when you got guys like R.J. Barron and Zion Williamson taking up the limelight. I mean, you put him on any other team in the in the ACC, he's probably their best player. Yeah, you know, and and that's the thing. You know, I I do agree. You know, a lot of these lottery picks can be bust. I mean, my gosh, I'm a Syracuse fan. Look at Johnny Flynn. You know, he got drafted seven, and where is he playing now? Europe. You know, I I
3: agree, but it, it's a different style of basketball with Duke. Yeah, folks, I would I would have to suggest that you hit two times speed uh, on that last uh, final four predictions because I'm gonna have to wildly disagree with that take. Um, I don't think Duke is a, you know a final four caliber team this year. I know that they're a trendy favorite right now. I know that they have had a tremendous success this year, um, but I don't like uh, the fact that uh, Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett. Obviously very inexperienced, and they play at a very fast pace, the third fastest in the tournament. Uh, but when a team like Virginia or uh, let's say you know Michigan State, for example, uh, gets a hold of them in the elite eight, uh, I think they're going to have a really tough time uh, dealing with that slower pace uh, once they get out of their comfort zone and out of their tempo so I don't like the matchup in the elite eight, um, some of the other with way, Michigan State with Michigan state, yeah. Um, Michigan State's not even going to make it to the Elite Eight. Mm. LSU's going to beat them. See, now that's a, that's a wild take. I would like to allow for you to elaborate a little bit more. The reason I
1: like LSU over Michigan State is for the sole purpose that LSU's got an easier ride to get there than Michigan State does. Michigan State's going to have to play, play against a blue blood team in Louisville if Louisville wins. And even if Louisville doesn't win, they're going to have to play against a really, really, really tough Minnesota team that likes to shoot the ball. Michigan State, like I said earlier, the reason I like Michigan State is for the sole purpose that they play inside out. They have bigs that rebound on both ends of the floor, and they can kick out the shooters. But the thing that Michigan State lacks is consistent shooting. You know, Tom Izzo teams way back when they were dominant. When they have Draymond Green, they got Keith Appling, they got guys that are playmakers all over the floor. They he doesn't have that point guard that's you know gonna knock down shots. Back then, they had Travis Trice, who was shooting 40% from three. They don't have that guy, and, and that's why I think Michigan State isn't going to make it all the way to the Elite Eight for the sole purpose that they have too many people that they have to go through, you know, and it, it's tough, and LSU's a, a tough pick, too, because they're from the SEC, and, you know, I don't... SEC's probably the second best conference this year when it comes to the amount of teams that are in, but if you think about it, the ACC, they're dominant. They got three number one seats.
0: Over the Big Ten, yeah. I think Big Ten doesn't play I think LSU is a tougher road. I mean, people are even picking Yale over LSU, and that's a fourteen yeah. over a three. I mean, Harvard, the Ivy League schools have had great success in recent tournaments. I mean, they've won about three of their last six years. I mean, Harvard and Princeton; these teams are always threats. And then you, and then if Belmont comes in and knocks off Maryland, do you think that
1: LSU is going to want to play Belmont? Shooting the ball red hot. I mean, I, I would take a Belmont team over. L, I would take LSU over Belmont any day. And and that's the thing. It's not as scary. It's not as scary as playing against a seven or a ten. And, and I I think that it's it's a tougher road for Michigan State to get to even the Sweet Sixteen, than LSU is going to have. But what about LSU's head coach
0: Will Wade, who was just fired a couple weeks about a week ago for the recruiting scandal in twenty seventeen? This this team's playing without their coach and leader, who's been who's been there all year with them. I don't think this team's going to be able to... The senior point guard,
1: I I will tell you right now, the senior point guard, I'm blanking on his name right now, but the senior point guard is extremely good. I watched him when he played as a freshman. This kid can shoot the ball from anywhere. He's Jimmer for deck-esque in the sense that he will pull up from anywhere. Tremont Waters. Yes, and he he has great court vision. you got to also understand he was there when Ben Simmons was there. He understands the game of basketball. He's very,
3: very good. Well, and as far as Louisville and Minnesota being tough teams, I mean, Louisville, we don't have to look far back to find that their 20-point their loss to Syracuse on the 20th of February, and uh, their 10-point loss, loss to Boston College even, even earlier. Um, so I don't really trust Louisville at all. I don't even think they'll get it out of the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, and Minnesota has yet to prove much to me. Either. They've got a bunch of uh, conference losses. Um, love that!
1: Bo- love that! Both the Patinos coach those two teams,
0: though. <laughs> that is nice. That good, really yeah, I'm. I agree with Will that I think Michigan State could be really tough for Duke, but I I see Duke making it to the Final Four. I also have Michigan beating Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. I think that Michigan's been playing pretty well of late and uh, well coached with Beeline, and they just had recent tournament success. I really like North Carolina beating Kentucky in the Elite Eight. Um, that's a tough pick with. Kentucky's playing some good basketball as well right now and a good group of young guys who are really playing well but I think I like Carolina's experience and even their point guard Kobe White I really like their guard play and then I also have Tennessee knocking off Virginia uh, to make it to the final four as well so the weight's broken up I have two two seeds and two one seeds I'd like to change things a little bit because my lead eight is all ones and two seeds so I'd like to add in a three seed somewhere or possibly a four seed but um,
2: we'll have to see. Oh, well, for that. once,
1: Justin, I actually agree with you. I have the same Final Four. so you, you got you, you got a good head on your shoulders on, in that aspect.
2: Going back okay. to your LSU comment, don't forget that LSU uh, player last year, Wade Sims, died. And that's his player. That's his team. His teammates are playing for him now. The point guard that you just said, he literally said every single time he makes a shot, he says that's for him. He points every time, too. He points up. And that's just that's just brotherhood. And they're gonna have that chip on their shoulders. They're gonna come out firing from three. They're gonna come out and just. I think they have an. I agree with you. They're gonna have an easier ride. I
0: mean, they've been battling this all year. I don't think this tournament's gonna change anything.
2: It's like, emotional. You hear about
3: stories like this all it's the time. Mo- it's emotional. A player's
0: dad died in January.
3: Well, yeah, the one thing I will say about LSU that I gotta give him props for it, is their freshman point guard Ben Simmons. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna be one of the best rookies. Uh, in this March Madness tournament this year, uh,
1: I like that. That's
3: a that's a hot take right there, because he's a rookie. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I I just think you know Michigan State. I love Michigan State. I grew up being a Michigan State fan when I was young, and you know I love Tom Izzo. He's a great coach, but it just, I mean, you gotta go through Louisville. Or Minnesota, <laughs> Look that, at those that, trash, but but, but even then, you got to go through that, and then you play the next team. You're gonna go to LSU. I mean, LSU's got to play Maryland, who everybody's saying is gonna get knocked off by who Belmont. Okay, you I know, I, I just I, I take LSU over that team. Either of them, you know, it's not when, when I'm making picks. If I'm making an upset pick, I want to make the upset pick that I know that the team that they're gonna play next is going to beat the team, even if the upset doesn't happen. That's the way I pick. For March Madness, personally, because it gives you more opportunity later down in the road to pick up points in in that aspect.
0: All right, real quickly, who do you guys have as your national champions? I heard a couple of you say Duke. Um,
1: yeah, who do you guys
2: have? Blue Devils all the way.
1: I think it's going to be Duke against UNC, and UNC is going to avenge that uh, loss in the ACC tournament.
3: Yeah, I got to go with UNC as well. I'm a hometown boy, but... Uh... I really like their
0: team this year. They play fast, and they can they can put the ball in the hole. Yeah, I'm hopping on the J. Bill's ban- bandwagon as well, picking Carolina over Duke. And I think part of this matchup is because we all would like to see the, the two biggest rivals in college sports um, come together and fight over a national championship, which would be perfect. But uh, I really think that these two teams are going to be able to escape their regions and have a pretty – Pretty easy Final Four um, as well, and I, I see these teams battling it out for the championship. Um, all right. Who do you guys think has the best mascot in March Madness? Which team are you guys choosing? Anteaters. Anteaters? see Irvine?
1: It's a hot take right there if you don't say Anteaters.
0: <laughs> Anteaters is pretty impressive. I It's the first time I've heard that before. But I'm going to have to go with the New Mexico State Aggies. Uh, if you've seen their logo at all, that you have this cowboy kind of uh sheriff looking dude who has the bandana around his around his neck and he's holding two pistols That's nice. and uh i love it yeah kind of kicks in my inner cowboy
1: mm-hmm. i don't know I, it, there's a lot of good ones but you know i i think that i'm gonna have to go with the nevada wolf pack uh, Wolfpack Nation, right here.
3: What about what about the University of Buffalo, Buffaloes?
1: The the Bulls, the Buffalo Bulls. Uh, I love Buffalo, but I don't like their mascot. Okay. He, he uh, yeah, that is pretty. I, I, I don't
0: think they thought too hard about that. I, one. I, I,
1: I, went, I went to the game. He took his he took his uh, headpiece off in the middle of halftime. I mean, you don't you just don't do that as a mascot. You just don't do that.
0: All right, and favorite March Madness memory of all time.
1: It was before the tournament even happened when Kemba Walker hit the shot against Pittsburgh. And it, it, yeah, I can still hear it now. Cardiac
0: okay. Kemba! I guess since it was in March, you can say that.
2: <laughs> Syracuse versus Virginia. Syracuse comes back, down 16, comes back and wins it. Behind Malachi Richardson. That is my favorite moment.
0: I'd probably have to go with Luke May shot over Kentucky a couple years ago. Um, to move Carolina into the final four. That was a Elite eight matchup between Kentucky and Carolina. And um, I believe it was Malik Monk hit a crazy three-pointer in midair when he was hanging to tie the game with a couple seconds left. And so Carolina blew a pretty well lead that they had, and I was starting to get a little worried. And then dribble down the court, pass back to Luke May, um, hits a game-winner mid mid-range 15-foot jumper, um, go crazy, and then he shows up to his 8 a.m. the next morning, and everyone's praising this dude who no one really knew about before. And so, and just seeing him now as a senior, um, it's wide. a really cool memory. He's a great guy. Too.
3: Yeah, I uh, I'm also gonna have to go with Carolina memory, but uh, it's not exactly what you'd think coming from a Carolina fan. Uh, Carolina versus Villanova, and uh, the what could have been the greatest shot of all time, Marcus Page with the double clutch. Yeah, I was gonna say that, and then uh, Villanova coming out coming out uh, down H- the court. Hit the
0: trailer, Chris Jenkins. Yeah,
3: Chris Jenkins. <clears throat> Heartbreaker. But it was a crazy sequence. It was a crazy sequence, sequence basketball
0: history. All right, let's talk about baseball a little bit here. Uh, we saw today that Mike Trout got was agreeing to his twelve-year, allegedly four hundred thirty million dollar deal to that that contract extension, where he will now avoid free agency and be locked up with the Angels. What do you guys think of this?
1: Mike Trout, he's the best player in, in the majors, he's been the best player since he came into the league, I mean, you know, I love that uh, the Angels go out and do this now after all the Harper stuff, that that, that kind of made me laugh, but I mean, he deserves it, I, I mean, I saw a stat today on Instagram, you know, the guy's getting, you know, $1,600 per pitch he sees or something like that, I mean, that's that's ridiculous, I mean... When it comes down to it, he's obviously... I don't think he's going to play his whole entire career as an angel. I really don't. Trade? I think he's going to get traded. Or, it. you know, we obviously don't know all the details of the contract yet because it's not official. But when it comes down to it, I think he's going to have player option to, to leave the club probably six, seven years into it, maybe eight. And, There's no you
0: opt-outs, know, actually. You got, the really, Har-
1: you got the Harper special. Did he really? Well, I... Well, maybe he is an angel for life, and, and if that's the case, that's that's perfectly fine with me. I, I look at Mike Trout as, you know, a Derek Jeter-type-esque player. You know, he's he's a franchise guy. He's going to yep. be there for the long haul, and, you know, it, it's tough to sit here and say that he's not about the money, considering he's just got $430 million, but but, uh, you know, he, he's a class act. He plays yeah. the game the right way. He's a five-tool player, and, you know, he, he he's... He's not one of those guys that's flashy, you know. Everybody, when A. Rod went to the Yankees, they were all, "Oh, A. Rod's better than G, this at the other," you know. He he doesn't mind being in the background and you know, kind of just playing his game and being quiet. And that's why I respect Mike Trout.
0: You know, as a Phillies fan, I'm pissed because I thought it was perfect. <laughs> you know, I mean, we just signed Bryce Harper, and now two years away. You know, he's already tampering, trying to get Harper, trying to get Trout to come in two years, and you know, he, season ticket holder for the Eagles grew up in Millville just outside of Philly. I thought it was perfect for him and Harper to win a couple championships together. Um and I thought he'd at least test for agency, you know. He, I mean, if you put together the 10 biggest markets in baseball and have them fight over the best player in baseball, I think Trout's getting at least 500 million dollars. But I thought that this offseason with Harper as well. So I think that um I think with the injury that Trout had this past year, uh, I think that plays into this a little bit because Trout Trying to get the guaranteed money before he can possibly get hurt and put any more money in danger. Um, so I think, in that regard, is pretty smart of him. But I I just don't see the Angels as a team that you can really contend with for the next 12 years. I don't think they have enough pieces around him. They've locked up money in old players like Albert Pujols. That you know I question the GM a little bit and and their smaller market. But um, I think it reveals that Trout. Wants to stay with one team his whole career and, you know, kind of like Derek Jeter, be that clubhouse guy. Um, and he's loved in Los Angeles. He knows it, and he and he enjoys playing. Not there, only I is
2: think. he just loved in Los Angeles, I mean, like uh, Rob said, all of MLB loves him. There's not there's not been one thing that that guy has been hated for. There's not something controversial that he's just done. Just
1: for how great he is.
2: And, yeah, that's a fact. And, I mean, if there's one guy that's in the MLB that... Someone should be getting paid that dumb amount of money. It would be Mike Trout, and I feel bad for you, Philly fans. I mean, Bryce Harper said he was going to go out and start recruiting him. Yeah, he was going to get fined, and instead of the way I think that you're looking at it as as to where he kind of coming off the injury that he's just trying to get the most amount of money, I think it's more the Philly side of it. I feel like I mean, I mean the Angels. I mean the Angel side of it that they knew that Harper had that draw into Philly. I mean, Trout's from around that area. He's an Eagles fan. I think that I honestly believe that the Angels said, listen, we're going to give you this dumb amount of money. We love you. We don't want you to see you go. And they offered it on spot. They they wouldn't let Bryce Harper get the chance for that. I think it makes the Harper signing look great, too, and it doesn't
0: look like he... He got paid too much either. I mean, the Angels followed a similar pattern of giving a long deal, giving lots of money, and and now with Arenado and Trout both getting extension, it plays into question the role of signing guys this offseason. Do you overpay because there's a limited availability of stars out there? And I think the Phillies got the guy they wanted, and, and I think they can really look back and say they're glad for it because a guy they may have been investing in, Trout, for the last couple of years, and now... He may have been in the budget, now they don't have to worry about it And anymore. now that looks
2: good on that franchise, it looks good. I mean, now that gives the players draw. I mean, the past couple of years, the Phillies haven't been so hot. And I feel like bringing Harper in, that definitely shows something.
1: I mean, in this aspect, think about it, okay? Mike Trout's been the face of your franchise since, he, since he's come into the league, right? You guys go out, you get Shohei Otani, okay? He's supposed to be the next quote-unquote Babe Ruth, pitching, hitting, does it all goes and has to get Tommy John. Can't pitch. Dude still hit 20 home runs. I mean, I I agree with what Justin said. They're not that deep and they haven't really built around Trout in the years that he's been there. They haven't gone out and spent the money that they should have had. And, you know, it it wasn't very viable. But in the aspect of you're saying that it's the Angels making the move because of this and the other. No, it's because of what Bryce Harper did. And, you know, I, I think that the Phillies signing Bryce Harper and Bryce Harper saying what he said got Mike Trout paid. Yeah. Because if you think about it, free agency dragged out so long. You know, Harper and Machado held out so long, and they didn't get the contracts they wanted. Okay, let me put this into perspective for you. Like Justin said, you know, I'm surprised that Mike Trout wouldn't want to be a free agent and see what these big market teams would give for him. This guy got re-signed for 12 years, $430 million. So he's got one less year than Harper got on his contract with an extra $100 million on top of that. And that's just to get re-signed. Okay? If he hit the free market, I already told you this on the, last, on the last take, he would have been the first $500 million baseball player. And there's no doubt because he's a five-tool player. He can steal bases, he can hit for power, he can hit for average, he plays good defense, and he's got a great arm. And the best thing about him compared to some of, all of these other superstars, he's humble. And he's good in the locker room. And that's what I like about Mike Trout. He's the best player in baseball by far.
0: Do you think he's obligated now to make his face more the face of baseball and do more sponsorships and other... Because that's not really his personality, but that's who
1: everyone wants him to be because he is such a good guy. When he first came into the league, everybody was comparing him to Derek Jeter in the sense of how he could be in one organization. I agreed... But I think it goes even beyond that. If you think about Derek Jeter, he was the face of baseball. He was the Yankee captain. It's not just because he played in New York. It's because Derek Jeter was a class act. He played the game the right way. He's not taking PEDs during the PED era, okay, and he's producing. Mike Trout's the same way, and and I think that to that aspect of your question, you know, is he going to take on more of a role of being the face of baseball? He already is. Whether he likes it or not, he is. He's the face of baseball. He's the best player. He, he's the LeBron James of baseball. He should win the MVP every year based off of his statistics. You know, obviously when he gets hurt, no. But you know, for four out of the six years he's played, or whatever amount of time he's played, he's he's the best player, hands down. And look at LeBron. You know, he should win MVP almost every year. The guy's averaging almost a triple double, and he's thirty-five, but he's not even in contention because his team sucks that—that like that doesn't define you. Just because your team sucks doesn't define how great a player you are. It, you know, you got—it's a team sport. You know, and that's the thing. It's not like golf. You can go out and be the best golfer. You know, it, it's a team
2: sport. But going off of that though, I mean, LeBron has a terrible reputation for being lazy. He plays no defense. You don't see their jeer not hustling something out.
1: Hundred percent. I
2: but, think that, that. But you. But LeBron they, is hurting his face. Not only that did you see the video of the game two nights ago where he sat on the other side of the bench yes, away from all of his players in, I believe, what was sweatpants? Sweatpants didn't even have his jersey yeah, he, on. had a hoodie on.
1: Uh, I mean, I don't disagree. Not but even a team I'm, hoodie. I'm saying, if you think about recent history, who's the face of the NBA? Who's the first person you think about when you think about the NBA? You LeBron. LeBron. Who's the first piece, person you think about when you think about the Major League, major league Baseball? Mike Trout. In my opinion right now. I think Aaron Judge is, uh, Aaron Judge Aaron is, Aaron Judge is Judge on the rise. He ice. can be there, but the, the difference between Aaron Judge and Mike Trout is Mike Trout came in younger, did more younger. you got to understand, Trout's like 26, 27. He's old. That's what Judge you know? is, too. No, no, Judge. That's what Judge is. Yeah. yeah, yeah when he came, when, a, he, a, a when he, he came into the league later, you know, Judge had a minor league career, in a sense of he was there for two, three, four years developing. Mike Trout came in, played one year of minor league baseball, and then came onto the show and was the best player. You know, and, and like I love Aaron Judge. I'm a Yankees fan through and through, but he, he's not Mike Trout. Oh if yeah. I He doesn't I, have to be. No, and, and that's the thing. You know, Mike Trout has to do so much for the Angels organization to even get them to win games, whereas Aaron Judge could go 0 for 4 and the Yankees could still win a game eight nothing. You know? And, you know, that's the thing. Mike Trout isn't just the face of baseball. He's not just the face of the Angels. He, he's probably one of the most influential, humble superstars in all of sports, if you think about it. He, he really does not talk that much.
0: Alright, we want to thank you for listening to Bleacher Brawl's second episode uh, where we covered different March Madness picks, first round upsets, final four, best ma- mascot in the game, and then Um, concluded with some conversations about Mike Trout's big contract. Uh, We want to remind you that you can help sponsor our podcast online through uh, Anchor, through making a contribution, so that we can uh, continue our studies and discussions on sports uh, that we love to do. We want to finish with uh, one trivia question of the day. So I'll ask Rob and Matt here. Who was the last position player aged 45 years or older to appear in a game? And this is baseball. So who do you guys think?
2: Visco. Ichiro Suzuki. Ichiro. Visco.
1: Omar Visco.
0: Omar Visco. Ding, ding, ding. Omar Visco is the correct answer. He was 45 years old in 162 days in his final game on October 3rd in 2012 when he was playing with the Blue Jays. Hands down one of the top three shortstops
1: defensively of all time. Yeah, he was
0: great defensively. But, uh, yeah, so that's our trivia question of the day. And, uh